Welcome everyone to Gaming Under Fire, the podcast for news and opinions for Xbox shooters and shooter esports. You can find the show streamed live on Mixer every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, except for tonight, which is 9 p.m. Eastern, because y'all did a time change, you crazy kids. What are you doing? You can also be found on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Google Play, Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All of this by simply searching Gaming Under Fire. So if you like shooters, oh, about as much as you like that scene in 40-Year-Old Virgin where Steve Carell yells, Ah, Kelly Clarkson! Then you'll love this podcast. What do we have down the range this week? We got some Halo 5 and Halo MCC updates. Some prominent streamers getting struck with the ban hammer. We've also got some Fortnite news, Anthem, and much, much, much more. Um, But wanted to do a couple of things. One, as you guys uh, in the chat know, but you guys that are listening on the podcast version don't know yet, Trax's voice is missing. Uh, Trax has got some stuff he's got to handle at home tonight uh, and will not be joining me. So I'm going to be doing the show solo for the first time in about six months when it was the Bad at Halo show. So um, I've gotten kind of used to having somebody to bounce the conversation off of so this is going to be a little weird um but i think i'll be able to get through it eventually um a couple of other things guys some um house cleaning or housekeeping or uh in keeping with our military theme here occasionally uh the uh kp duty this week as uh, some of you guys that have been subscribing to the podcast for a while may have recognized over the course of the weekend, um, especially on iTunes, the uh, episodes coming and going and coming back and then leaving and then coming back again. Uh, we are actually changing hosting sites. So we have been using Podbean to host the website. That's where we publish or host the website to host the podcast. That's where we publish the podcast is on to Podbean. And then from Podbean, it goes out to all the different uh, or all the various uh, podcast catching apps that are out there. Um, been having kind of an issue with Podbean. The podcast isn't really showing up on any of the searches on any of the podcast apps. I don't think Podbean can handle all of the rebrands that we did. So instead of starting fresh on Podbean, which costs money, uh, we, or I guess more or less I <laughs> kind of took this unilateral decision to move it over to anchor.fm. And so what does that mean for you guys? Well, that means there's going to be a new RSS feed for you guys to have to link the show to. Here's what is going on kind of behind the scenes is I am submitting our link to as many of those podcast apps as I possibly can. So if you are listening right now on iTunes, if you are listening on Stitcher, You guys will not have to do anything different. You guys already have the new RSS feed. It should automatically update for you guys. You guys do not have to do anything. If you listen on any other app, you may have to switch over to the new RSS feed. So for this week and this week only, I will be posting this show on both the Podbean and Anchor.fm. And then after this week, 
I will change the artwork on the Podbean one and it will have the link to the anchor.fm feed. I know it's kind of complicated. If you guys have any questions, be sure you email. You can also jump into our Discord and send us a tweet. There's all sorts of different ways to get a hold of us. Hopefully, we'll uh, get it figured out. We figured since we're still a new podcast and we're still developing our listener base, if we were going to make a move, now was the time to do it. So we decided to go ahead and do that. But uh, I will uh, keep our Twitter pinned post updated with different links so you guys can find us no matter where we are. We'll make sure we keep that updated and make it super easy for you guys to find. In the meantime, uh, this past weekend, uh, just to kind of keep with our usual format, uh, this past weekend I did not go and see Captain Marvel. Not because I am doing some sort of strange protest of Brie Larson because she decided to put down the largest demographic of comic book nerds. More or less just because I don't like going to movie theaters. I most definitely don't like going to movie theaters uh, during opening weekends. I have horrific social anxiety in places like movie theaters. So I I will deal with it when the movie is a big movie. Like if it's one of the Avengers movies. And I don't want social media to ruin the ending for me. So I will kind of suck it up and go there. And then so I'll also go to any of the standalone movies that are right before an Avengers movie. So I saw Black Panther in the theater, which was meh. It was okay. But I wanted to see it before Infinity War because I didn't want to miss anything. I'll see Captain Marvel right before I go see Endgame because I don't want to miss anything. Otherwise, like most of the other Marvel movies, I would just wait for it to come out on Blu-ray or rent it and then watch it that way. So it's nothing against... uh, Brie Larson or Captain Marvel or the character or what they're trying to do. It's more just personal preference about going to a movie theater. So, but I did go see a movie this weekend. I took the kiddo to go see the second Lego movie, which was fine for me because it's on the end of its movie run. So there was like nobody in the movie theater. There was us, two other families, and there was Two dudes that came in. Now, mind you, we're in a big movie theater, okay? We're in a big movie theater, and all of us are spread out because you can be spread out. You can actually put some space. You can put some personal space. You can actually double your personal bubble space and still have plenty of room to be able to enjoy the movie. Ourselves and these other two families seem to be able to understand that perfectly, and then these two dudes walk in, and they basically sit a seat away from me in our row and we sit kind of close to the aisle because without a doubt the kid is gonna have to go to the bathroom at some point during the movie it's just guaranteed death taxes spartan jacks need to go to the bathroom in the middle of a movie going to happen so now they're sitting right there so meaning now we have to do in an empty movie theater the excuse me sorry excuse, excuse me sorry sorry dude all you guys needed to do was just move a row back what was the big deal for God's sakes, guys, people don't respect personal space. And that is why now imagine that in a jam packed movie theater and my anxiety goes up in multiplications of a hundred for each person that's in there. So that's why I just avoid opening weekends for movies like the plague. 
Oh, uh, some uh, listener comments in the chat for Captain Marvel. Raikou, I saw it. It was okay. Subpar at best, but the cat was the real star. All I got to say. Yeah, a lot of people talking about Goose in that movie. Also, we need more Samuel L. Jackson. He looked like he was having a lot of fun. Uh, that's, yeah. And that's 90s, quote unquote, 90s Samuel L. Jackson, too. So, not bad. Okay. So that's about it. So we'll get, uh, we got quite a bit and just myself. So we'll get right into everything this week. And I was going to start with Halo, but I'm going to start with Anthem. And uh, Anthem, this past weekend, not only did I get a chance to go to a movie, but I got actually got a chance to finally, 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 finally finish Anthem's campaign. So, okay. Anthem's campaign, now that I've finished the main storyline and I'm all done with that, the campaign is very, 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 eh. Like, I, I I referred when I was talking about this earlier with some some friends that were asking me about Anthem. I I called the Anthem campaign the Papa Murphy's of video game campaigns. If you are unfamiliar with the Papa Murphy's pizza chain, let me tell you what a Papa Murphy's is. Okay, they have a storefront like a Little Caesars, like a Domino's, like a Hungry Howie's, where you walk in, you order a pizza. They throw all the toppings that you want on the pizza. They make the dough there, and then they put all the toppings on. And then they put it in plastic, and then they give it to you for you to take this pizza home, put it in your oven for you to cook it. They give you a pizza with toppings and expect you to do the rest of the work. That's what I feel like Anthem's campaign is. They have all of these bits and pieces and these little chunks of story that they give you in the cutscenes, and you are left to kind of make the story as you go. For example, there's a section in the campaign where you meet up with a friend of yours who was a friend of yours, stabbed you in the back, stole a javelin that you really needed, and then came back because apparently their plan didn't work out really well and he received a punishment for it, which I think made him blind. I don't know. He looks like he's blind, yet he moves like daredevil blind, like he can still sense the things around him. So you don't really know exactly what was done to him other than his eyes are clouded and he's got burn marks on his face. And he just kind of says, yeah, this is my punishment. Kind of uh, fits, doesn't it? Punishment from who? Was it karma punishment? Was it punishment from the person that you left us for? The baddie? Did he do it to you? Was it from the, the heart of rage? Was it from the javelin? What? We don't know because he doesn't say. He gives us, they give us all these little ingredients and then they expect us to just kind of read between the lines and make the rest of that pizza. And I don't tell me what happened or show me what happened even better. You know, have a cutscene that shows us what happens. No. So they don't show us. So they could have at least told us, but they don't tell us either. And if I'm going to find out what actually happened, I will probably have to read it. 
And that means reading it in the cortex. Because that's what I really want to do. When I fire up a video game to play the campaign, the very first thing I'm really excited to do is log in and read. No. Show me what happened. Or at least tell me what happened. But don't sprinkle little things here that I need to try to read between the lines and make up my own conclusion. I don't want to make up my own conclusion. You're supposed to be telling me a story. And you failed. The main antagonist for this campaign had a lot of potential of being a really awesome bad guy. A very complex antagonist. He, he could have been the Thanos of Anthem, right? Thanos is messed up and he's crazy, right? But there's a reason behind his craziness. And what he thinks in his mind he's doing is the right thing for the universe. Because he saw his own planet destroyed. And so he says, you know what? I hate all this congestion on my drive home from work. So I want to eliminate half the universe with a snap of my fingers. And it'll be better for everybody. So there's kind of that complication in there. This guy, the monitor, they made him just very... Super generic power of the world bad guy is what it really kind of boiled down to. A lot of potential. And I think this is where when you read when I read a lot of the reviews and I was wondering about what do they mean there was a lot of potential? Because when I'm early on in the campaign and I'm walking around and I'm talking to different people in the fort and we're doing all these different side missions and they're saying, Oh, there's so much potential. I was like, What are you talking about potential? These things are working out really well. I finally got it. The potential was in this antagonist that you're supposed to battle that never materialized. He just became your run-of-the-mill bad guy, which then turned into your run-of-the-mill final boss battle, which ended very anticlimactically and kind of weak considering what this person was supposed to evolve into. The monitor was supposed to evolve into almost a god with the power of creation. He went down pretty easy. And the fight, I mean, you, you, fight, you fought him in one arena and then you get him to halfway and you go to another arena and you kind of fight him there. But all he does is really call in all these elemental things that just spit acid at you, but it really doesn't really matter. And then when you get him down to another certain level, you go back to that first area that you were fighting and then you fight him down till he gets to be weak. And then when he's weak, he dies. And the way he dies, it sucks because you're not the one that does it. Technically. So it's just, it's, I feel like it was a really good, it could have been a really good, really interesting antagonist for the campaign that just falls flat. Again, just giving you the pieces and then expecting you to go and cook your own pizza. I don't want to cook my own pizza. I don't want to make my own story. I want to pull into Little Caesars. I want to get a $5 hot and ready and I want to eat right now. Come on. And I mean, this is Bioware. Mass Effect. Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 3. Those are worlds and characters 
and situations and controversies in those stories. Bioware is capable of it. They really fall flat here, and you almost get what amounts to a Cliff Notes version of a campaign. With people, we're, we're supposed to be in some sort of dire straits at this fort. This is supposed to be one of the last human settlements on the frontier of this vast, dangerous world, right? People come and go out of the fort as they please. Our canists are out there doing work without fear. And people in the fort are happy and they're smiling and they're talking to you in very even tones. And your character talks back in very even tones. And you got some vendor chick over here talking about petting a baby Korox. And you never really feel like you're, there's no stakes. There's no stakes to this campaign. You never feel in danger. You never feel vulnerable. You never feel like you're backed into a corner. People are just like, today's another day. Today's another day. Hi, everybody. What am I doing? It's really weird. My hope is that as the game continues to evolve, as they add new content, as they add updates, more takes place. Um, but I, I, and this is where I get really worried about games as a service and these live service games because I don't feel that they tell very good stories. I don't feel like the campaigns are very rewarding. The last campaign that I played that I felt had any kind of payoff or reward, it was Halo 4. And that's what? 2012? Gears 4 was disappointing. Halo 5 was disappointing. Call of Duty World War 2 was fine, but I mean, World War 2 stories are World War 2 stories. Those are fairly predictable. Yay, the Allies win. They beat the, the Nazis. I'm trying to think. The Division, unsatisfying end for another looter shooter with a game as a service. Sea of Thieves. And then you got games that have no campaign whatsoever. Oh, I take that back. Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2 had a great campaign. Short. But it was good. Speaking of short, Anthem's campaign, if you decide to play and just play the mainline story missions and you don't do any side missions, you don't do any talking with anybody in the fort, and you just play the campaign through, I could probably finish it in less than eight hours. And if you play the missions in the multiplayer, you could probably finish it in less than six. It is super short. And it doesn't need to be. Because your javelin is your javelin in the game and in the campaign. So all of your all, all of your cosmetics that you buy from the store are in the campaign. So it's not like they need to rush you into a multiplayer. It's not like Halo 5, right? Where all the cosmetics and all the weapons need to be used in multiplayer. And it's like, yeah, we need to hurry up and push you through the campaign. 
So we can get you to the part where you buy packs. You can buy packs, do cosmetics on your javelin, and still play the campaign. So there's like no reason to rush through a campaign for Anthem. But man, they rush you through that thing. They want you out. They want you into strongholds. They want you into free play. I don't know. Not a, not an enjoyable campaign. Very meh. Very a lot of potential that just didn't really materialize for no reason. Because you've got a company that's done amazing stories in the past with Mass Effect. Created interesting characters, interesting worlds, and they really really dropped the ball on this one. So I don't know if this is a problem that we're just going to run into with games as a live service. I don't know if this is a problem because the writers aren't as talented as they have been in the past to tell a story. I don't know if this is a problem with EA just slashing and cutting away at the campaign to get people into multiplayer. I don't know what the problem is, but it's a problem and it's becoming more and more prevalent in games, especially games as a service. Looter Shooters, Destiny's Campaign, The Division's Campaign, Anthem's Campaign, all very unsatisfactory endings. I still don't even know what the what Destiny's Campaign was supposed to be getting to. I was confused as hell. But when you get past all the campaign stuff, Anthem did release an update. This is update 1.0.3. We have some major fixes and changes, which include loot changes, White and green, so your common and uncommon drops, will no longer appear for players at or above level 30 because they don't need that shit. Bring on more legendary and masterwork, which they didn't do. So they took out white and green, but they didn't increase the amount of masterwork and legendary. And so right now on Anthem subreddit, there's actually a petition to not play Anthem at all all this week as players unite to try to tell Bioware fix your loot your game is a looter shooter how do you screw up the first part of what your game is how do you not know how to do the loot This patch did though bring some improved improved stability for all platforms Cross your fingers, guys. And I said, you know, when I was talking about the campaign, I didn't feel like I was in dire straits. This is what makes me jealous for the PlayStation players. Anytime they fired up Anthem, man, they were playing for stakes because they didn't know at what point was this game going to shut down and brick my PlayStation 4. That is playing with fear. You guys knew what it was like to play Anthem with fear. I didn't. Titans no longer respawn on missions after they are defeated. So, for example, if you take out two of the three Ash Titans that you face, but all your team kicks the bucket when you guys come back in, the other two Titans will not reappear when you respawn. You will only have to finish off the last one. I can imagine that being super helpful on the harder difficulties. Oh, this one I really liked. Players may now launch an expedition from anywhere within the launch bay and Fort Tarsus. Yes! An unexpected but very welcome little addition. Before, you'd always have to run back to the launch pad in your javelin and get into your javelin. 
now from anywhere in the fort or in the launch bay. You get a contract and say you're on the other side of the, the fort from your from your javelin. You don't have to run at your really slow running pace all the way across the fort. You can just hold down on the Y button. You can immediately get into an expedition. So much faster, so much better. That was a unexpected but very, very welcome addition, in my opinion. Uh, they say no more white and green loot in strongholds, but I played strongholds after I finished the campaign and guess what I got common and uncommon loot. So I don't know if that's tied to the fact that I'm still under 30, but apparently you're not supposed to be getting that kind of loot anymore in strongholds. I was shitty. So now I'm going to do a little, uh, new section of the podcast. I was kind of hoping tracks would be here for this, but that's okay. This is going to be called tips from Q branch. So what this is, is going to be just some tips and tricks for the games that we talk about. Some things you guys may or may not know about the games and kind of help you guys out in your journey, whichever shooter it is that you happen to enjoy this week. It is for Anthem and this comes to us via gamespot.com. They had a little video called 10 things Anthem doesn't tell you. And I'm not going through all 10 because some of them we don't really need. So I was able to combine a couple and take a couple other out. So this is Gaming Under Fire's seven more helpful hints that you may not know when playing Anthem. And the first tip for you guys is combos. What the hell is a combo other than a disgusting snack from when I was in middle school? A combo is setting up an enemy with a primer attack followed up with a detonator attack. Taz, what the hell does that mean? Well, you have different weapons, obviously, as part of your javelin. One of those weapons, some of them have this little circle inside of a circle, so it kind of looks like a target. Those are your primer icons. And then there are other attacks that you have available to you that are called detonators. And those icons have a little four-pointed star next to them when you're, and you see these icons when you're loading them up. These attacks, when combined, deal major damage and also affect nearby enemies depending on your javelin. So one thing you guys always wanna make sure that you have both a primer attack and a detonator attack equipped to ensure you can nail combos in solo play or more likely playing with other freelancers who aren't communicating. So you always want to have an attack that is a primer. You set that one out first, and then you want to have another attack that's a detonator, and if you hit the target with the status effect on it, you get a combo, and it deals a hell of a lot more damage. The other thing that they didn't tell you in this video that you also need to know about combos is enemies with shields. They have to have their shields down first. So you have to take down their body shields and then once that is down then you can hit them with your primer and detonator to get major 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 combo damage out of that on the second one are the i called it the five d's of dodgeball but you only need one and it is called dodge when in flight instead of flying around and trying to avoid getting smashed by homing attacks use the dodge button which on xbox is your b button while you're in flight you can dodge up to three times by pressing B and inflicting, or excuse me, and indicating a direction. So using your thumbstick for a direction, hitting B, you dodge in that direction, and it helps with homing missiles attacks, uh, as well as anything else coming flying in your direction. And it's much easier than just trying to fly around. 
Number three, don't miss out on the Interceptor. While the Colossus is a walking tank, the Interceptor is no slouch either. It's ultimate attack, and so that's uh, the ultimate bar fills up, and when it fills up, you hit up on the direction pad, and that will uh, ignite or start up your Javelin's ultimate attack. The ultimate attack for the Interceptor renders it invincible while engaged, making it very useful against some of the larger enemies or attacking a team to buy your re revived and downed teammates time to get repaired. So the Interceptor uh, can be very useful with that heavy ultimate attack. Speaking of heavies, at number four is the Colossus Shield. The Colossus doesn't have the uh, body shielding of a Ranger and is not able to dodge. However, when you press the B button, it does bring out a solid steel shield with its own health bar. It will absorb all incoming attacks, even the uh, fire waves of a Titan, preventing the Javelin from taking any damage. You can also use it with your melee attacks to increase the number of damage from your melee. Number five, Titan weak points. The Titans, when you fight them, they do have weak points, and they are the weak points that are on fire. Their arms, their back, and their chest will glow yellow and look open. So when that is uh, taking place, they are vulnerable to attack. Note that when they are glowing, they are probably also attacking. So the best uh, tactic for you guys, if in a group, spread out all of your javelins so that we guys can uh, do some major, major damage while he is engaged in one, with one of you. Number six, how to extend your flight times. Obviously, going underwater and flying near waterfalls is pretty obvious, and most people know about that. However, also nosediving from uh, great heights will help cool your jets of your javelin. But you also may not know that you can prolong your flight time by flying low over shallow rivers and water as well. You didn't know that before. Now you do. And last one, number seven, there is more world than you think. Talk to the members of Fort Tarsus, collect objects, discover landmarks, and check your cortex often to do more reading and get the full campaign experience since they don't show you. Ladies and gentlemen, that is tips from Q Branch. All right, moving on down. I'm going to save this article for next week when Trax is back. We'll go ahead and we will move on to the Halos. Uh, this past week for Halo, we got a couple of updates for Halo 5 and MCC. I won't get super in the weeds with them, so here we go. For Halo 5, the spring season 2019 has officially begun. With it, four Forged maps have been added to ranked doubles. You got Cyberside, Hazard, These Walls, and Veil. You've got free-for-all additions. We have an updated Echelon Furnace and Seclusion, and they also added White Cell from Team Slayer to free-for-all. Your current social offerings are for this week. Available right now is Core Play. On the 14th is Forerunner Slayer. And then this upcoming weekend, Warzone Assault makes its return. For the Master Chief Collection, it looks like we're focusing mostly on Halo CE for social games, Team Muskets, which is basically shotguns, Rocket Ball, Oddball with Rockets, and Team Rain, think Regicide and VIP, have all been added to the HCE Action Sack 4v4 and include maps such as Chiron TL34. Get the 
fuck out. I hate that map. Chill out, Rat Race, Battle Creek, and Wizard. On the competitive side, Halo 2 Classic and Halo 2 Anniversary Team Arenas have been replaced in the rank offerings in favor of the hardcore modes for both. The Team Arena variants can still be found in social games, so thank you guys for giving me two less reasons to jump into the competitive game list. Screw Team Hardcore. Also in uh, the Team Hardcore list for H2A and H2C, betrayal and suicide penalties have been disabled. Moving on to Halo Esports. The HCS Invitational at South by Southwest is this weekend, March 15th to the 17th. $100,000 Pro Invitational with the top six teams, quote unquote, from UGC's Halo Classic will be competing. And I say quote unquote because the teams are not the same, but we've already talked about that. Microsoft Store 2v2 Throwdown, the BTB Bonanza Rivals show match between Snipedown and Lethal, which should be awesome. A $5,000 Halo 3 free-for-all tournament and go hang out with some of the HCS Grassroots Partners. Which takes us to the next thing. And again, I wish Trax were here. I feel like this would be so much better because I feel like he'd be on the other side of this and we'd have quite the discussion. However, if you haven't or haven't seen or don't know, over the course of this past week, HCS Grassroots partner Vetoed and popular Halo YouTuber Mint Blitz both tweeted out that they were hit with hefty two-week bans in Halo 5 for smurfing. Now, we saw quite a bit of back and forth on the topic and in their tweets regarding if it was good, if it was bad. So, we decided to do a gaming underfire poll on our Twitter account. And thank you guys all so much for participating in that poll. We got a total of 35 votes, which is our biggest poll turnout yet. So, thank you guys all for participating And hopefully we kind of get more than that as we go and as we grow as a podcast. The results, 57% of the people who voted in the poll said smurfing is bad, okay? To 43% stating that this was a major overreach by 343. So a lot closer than I anticipated. Um, However, uh, some of the comments on the poll, and I'll pull this up real quick here uh probably should have done that before i got going let's get to it sorry about this guy super professional all right so the first thing was from raiku 78 good call on three for these behalf these guys have been warmed enough not to smurf yellow lantern 154 they committed a legitimate infraction on the new rules of the multiplayer matchmaking system if they were unjustly banned then viewers would respond by speaking ill of the game and company with less playtime if anything seeing people getting punished for smurfing might get players back uh, on the on the other side and let me see if i can't get to uh, we got from Real Halo MC. Just saying from experience, the search time needed to find games on Halo 5 are insane, especially when you're at the skill level of people like Vetoed. Knowing he's a streamer, people don't want to watch a search screen for 20 minutes at a time. They want to see him play. 
So again, guys, everybody, thank you for your votes and for the comments that we got. My thing on this is, look, I remember Halo 3. I remember deranking. I remember boosting. I remember how awful, 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 awful it was to constantly be in the crosshairs of people who I shouldn't be in the game playing against. It would happen in social because social, they matched anybody up with anybody. It happened in ranked because people would derank, go all the way back down as low as they could, and then quote unquote, climb the ladder back up to 50 all the time. It was terrible. It was terrible to the point I stopped playing Halo 3 multiplayer because I was never getting in matches against people that were at my skill level. So it drove me away from multiplayer. I only got to play half the game. I paid $60 for the game. I played half of it. So I I understand and I get that the really good and talented players, they need to be able to play too. I get it. We all just want to play. We all just want to go out and play some Halo. So I understand. But for me, I I remember how frustrating that was. And every Halo since Halo 3's multiplayer, I've spent more and more time in the multiplayer arena because I feel like that has gotten better. Into Halo 5. Halo 5 has been the best multiplayer Halo experience I've had yet. I have far more time in Halo 5 multiplayer than any other Halo game. Period. And it's because I can go into social games. And I know that I'll more than likely get people that are in my skill range. I can go into ranked games. And know that more than likely, I'm going to get people in my skill range. I know I'm going to enjoy myself. And I represent the largest part of the skill bell curve. I'm right in the middle. So my experience is very, very good. Here's the problem. There are players on the small ends of the bell curve. They need to be able to play too. And waiting 10 minutes for a match is ridiculous. If I was vetoed, I wouldn't want to wait around either, especially if I'm on stream. So I get it. But you can't create an account, deliberately throw 10 games in a row to get yourself matched and ranked so low that you go chumba-wumba-tump-thumping on everybody. And when Vito put that tweet out that he got a two-week ban and people were all getting all up in arms about it, Josh Makey comes in and says, well, you know what? You had 10 games in a row. You got two kills. So the game recognized you were deliberately trying to throw matches. The system banned you. And I would assume the same would go for Mint Blitz as well. I get it, guys. But at the same time, we can't let guys like Vetoed, Mint Blitz, 
needed. We can't let these guys just go roughshod on the entire population. That drives more players out. Because look at it this way. For those 10 games that Vetoed was throwing his matches, he wasn't just affecting himself. I mean, you think about it. He's in a game. He's with a team. He's got three other players. He's pissing off because he's not contributing. Okay? And he does that for 10 games in a row. That's 30 people. In just those 10 games, he's pissed off. Okay? And so after those 10 games, now he decides to go on his regular skill level. And he goes railing on people. 20, 30, 35 kills. Okay? Now, the team that he played against, those four players are now all pissed off because they're in a game against somebody they don't belong playing against. So now, of course, the next 10 games, he's pissed off 40 people. In the course of 20 games, 70 people have now had a negative experience from that one player. That's, that's where it comes from. You got Mint Blitz trying to get clips, not getting him against people his own skill level, which, you know, I don't know how many people watch clips on YouTube. I'm sure he's got a ton of subscribers, but maybe this is just me, but I feel like knowing that he's out and getting those against guys like my skill level and below to me makes those clips a lot less impressive. And I don't think the fact that you guys have decided to make content should treat you 343, the system should treat you any differently. Whether you're HCS grassroots person, whether you're a YouTuber, whether you're me. Should all be treated the same. And then you've got the Tedster. Whoa, guys, check it out. It's the Tedster at Tedster19. Who tweeted to Josh Mankey that he needed to lift his two-week ban or refund him his $150 for Halo 5 or he's taking him to court. That's the Tedster. Tedster from Richmond, Michigan. Taking 343 to court because I got a two-week ban. Come on, guys. Really? So we have two obvious problems, right? We have a problem where we have a problem where high-level players aren't able to find games in a decent amount of time to make it an enjoyable experience. But we also have to protect this larger player base so that they don't have a negative experience playing against people on a consistent basis that are far more skilled than they are throwing them out and making them want to leave matchmaking. So here's, here's what I propose. As much as I've really enjoyed Halo 5, that I can go into social and be pretty comfortable, that I can go into ranked and be pretty comfortable, I'm totally okay 
with opening up social, lessening those restrictions so players can get themselves in games, but you keep the banning system for deranking and smurfing in ranked. That way I always know I've got a place that I can go if I am just getting bashed over the head in social. Then I know I can at least go into ranked and by and large, I'll end up against people my level and I'll be able to get the chance at even matches that way. Because if you lessen the restrictions in social, that also means I could possibly, you know, be the top dog in a game of against a bunch of bronzes. Right? You're kind of you're kind of spinning the, the the bullet chamber playing Russian roulette that way. It would suck, but you know, part of compromise is giving up on something that you want to get to a greater good. And I think that that would get to a greater good. And I think if they do something like that for infinite, I think that that will help. But there will always be people that will try to take advantage of the system. And so there needs to be, there needs to be something in place in one of those two lists to make it so people of all skill levels can feel like they're going to go in and consistently get even matches. Ranked seems to make sense. So that's where I'm at with that. Oh, in the chat, any idea vetoed, got removed from the grassroots program. I read a rumor he did. I haven't seen anything official. And unless I see something official from 343 on halowaypoint.com, um, I, I'm not going to take anybody's word. I'm going to go for official, official announcements. I haven't seen anything official. Tedster tried to blame his kids. Oh, the Tedster's got kids. The Tedster, the Tedster's got little sex trophies running around in Richmond, Michigan. Good job, Tedster. Good luck with your court battle with three, four, three. So that's it there. All right, guys. Uh, dun, 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 Fortnite, because we can't not talk about Fortnite. It's the largest game in the world. It is the largest game in the world that's not even officially released yet. Fortnite has been in beta for two years, but that didn't stop the MCV Awards from naming Epic Games their major games publisher of the year for 2018. Congratulations, Epic Games. Apparently, you don't even need to release a game in 2018 to get this award. Does that, does that mean I was in the running? I didn't release a game in 2018 either. So was I in the running to win a win a, an award for Publisher of the Year at the MCV Awards? Um, I mean... Their largest game right now has been in a two-year beta. They didn't do anything. They didn't release anything in 2018. Their Wikipedia page has them listed for 2018 release was Fortnite Creative Mode. Fortnite Creative Mode got you guys a major games publisher of the year award. Bullshit. All right. Moving on down to Apex Legends. If you like to cheat, cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater, 
Respawn has got their own band hammer for you, and they are swinging it like Mark McGuire. Yes, that is a dated reference. Deal with it. An article on GameInformer.com, Respawn has banned 355,000 players on PC since the launch of the game on February 4th. In the article, quote, in a post on the game's subreddit, Respawn announced that they have banned over 355,000 players on PC, where cheating is most prominent due to ease of access to cheats. Uh, using third-party service anti, uh, easy anti-cheat. The company isn't stopping there, however. Quote, we are working on improvements to combat cheaters and we're going to have to be pretty secretive about our plans, end quote, the company said. Quote, cheaters are crafty and we don't want them to see us coming. End quote. That's what she said. To that end, Respawn is working with experts within and outside of EA to improve their methods while be expanding their anti-cheat team and adding a report feature in-game that will notify Easy Anti-Cheat directly. Easy Anti-Cheat is the program that they're using to ban players. Respawn is also looking into cases of players spamming during character select and the drop and then disconnecting shortly after, as well as working with AMD to improve game stability on PCs using their architecture. And quote, cheating guys, it's bad, don't do it. You're going to get banned and then you're going to have to take Epic Games to court. Good luck with that. Or not Epic, Respawn. I'm stuck on Fortnite. Weapon nerfs for Apex. According to VideoGamer.com, first up, the Peacekeeper rechambers at a slower pace uh, depending on which shotgun bolt is equipped. And I believe these updates were dropped last week. Uh, The Wingman now fires more slowly and isn't quite as accurate as before when firing from the hip. Both weapons also now spawn less frequently. Elsewhere, energy ammo now appears more frequently, and hitboxes for Gibraltar, Caustic, and Pathfinder will be tweaked at the start of the game's first season. When will that be? We don't know, but we'll talk about it here in a minute. Our goal is to make less frequent, better tested, higher impact changes so it minimizes the effects on your time spent mastering a particular mechanic Weapon, character, etc. That is a quote from Respawn in its patch notes. I think that might be taking a shot at Fortnite. You shouldn't have to read our patch notes every few days just to keep up with how characters and weapons now work. We know y'all are putting a ton of time into the game and mastering every nuance like Wraith portaling people off cliffs for the final kill lols with a Z. When will Apex Legends Season 1 release? Respawn has yet to officially announce when the first season of Apex Legends and its first battle pass will be dropping the year the year one roadmap. They did release notes. Season one will begin sometime this month. People are thinking by the time you guys hear this podcast on iTunes, it should probably be out. However, we do know that there is a new legend that was already leaked in this first new legend. Uh, regarding the character named Octane, has also been made available. His abilities and specials and the description of his character uh, posted pictures all over the internet, and he kind of looks like Junkrat from Borderlands. Uh, okay. Uh, Borderlands was Gearbox, right? Yeah. Ooh, some copyright infringement, maybe. 
Also leaked is the new weapon, the L-Star LMG, which has not yet been seen in the game. So Apex Legends. Going back to Fortnite real quick, because I did bring up Court, and uh, I saw this earlier today, and I believe this is from Polygon. Oh, I didn't keep it. That's okay. Uh, TLDR for Fortnite and their current legal battles regarding their emotes and their dances. The Supreme Court has ruled that you can no longer file a case for copyright infringement when your copyright infringement has not been granted. Duh. Apparently, you could apply for copyright protection and take a company to court for copyright infringement at the same time. So that loophole has been closed for now. So people like Alfonso Ribeiro, Backpack Kid, the rapper dude, and anybody else that's been trying to get themselves a hold of some of that emote money are going to have to wait until the copyright office determines whether their copyright is legitimate or not. So stay tuned for that. That is not done yet. On to the double taps. So some quick things through some other games that we covered. Let's start with double taps for eSports. Overwatch League standings currently for stage one. First place, you have New York Excelsior at 7-0. In second, the Vancouver Titans are 5-0. In third is the Toronto Defiant at 5-1. Followed up by the Philadelphia Fusion at 4. The Dallas Fuel at 5. Atlanta Rain at 6. San Francisco Shock at 7. And the Wanju Charge from China in eighth your top three teams outside the playoff line as of right now Seoul dynasty out of south korea the houston outlaws and the london spitfire we have two teams in overwatch league that have yet to win a series as of when i wrote this yesterday the washington justice and the los angeles valiant currently sitting winless Black Ops 4, CWL Fort Worth is set to take place this weekend. You can check them out on twitch.tv forward slash call of duty. Current standings going into Fort Worth in the aptly named Division A. You have in first place the surprise Gen G. Second is Midnight, also surprised because then you got third is Optic Gaming, who have been very disappointing for this season. And number four, you got Red Reserve, five, UYU. Six is Luminosity, seven Reciprocity, and eight Evil Geniuses with a one and six record. Yikes. Moving on over to Division B. In first place, you have 100 Thieves. In second, E United. Third is Heretics. Four is Splice. Five is Enigma. Six. In sixth spot is Team Envy. Seven is Denial Esports. And eight is Accelerate Gaming. Rainbow Six Siege, actually their North America uh, matches return today and I believe are taking place right now. For North America, in first place is Evil Geniuses. Well, apparently their Call of Duty team sucks, but their Rainbow Six Siege team is awesome at 6-0-1. In second is Dark Zero Esports. In third is Team Reciprocity. Fourth is Rogue. In fifth is Space Station Gaming. Sixth is Accelerate Gaming. And seven is Rise Nation. Over in the EU, because we do have EU listeners, and I noticed we actually had some downloads from Norway, which is awesome. For your E2 Rainbow Six Siege, you've got number one is Team Empire out of Russia. Number two is Le Stream Esport from France. Three is Pentasports, who comprise a roster throughout the EU. 
Four is Mouse Sports from Finland. Five is Chaos from Sweden. Six is G2 Esports from EU. Seven is Natus Vincer from EU. And number eight is Team Secret. Apparently, the secret is out about this team because everybody's beating them and they are out of the UK. So that's it for double taps for esports. For a couple other ones, we got the Division 2. The game is set to release worldwide on the 15th. Agents prepare for the call. However, if you have bought one of the 8 billion different special editions of this game, you probably already have access to it today as the gold variants and above all allow players access as of midnight in their region. So if it is midnight on March 12th, wherever you are, and you have ordered the gold edition or higher, you can get in and start playing the Division 2 early. Lucky you guys. Some of us have to wait for payday. H1Z1, King of the Hill. What? Now just Z1 Battle Royale. Ladies and gentlemen, say hello to Z1 Battle Royale. Daybreak, Daybreak Games has officially rebranded the game as part of a major update for the Battle Royale title. Today's patch is huge, not just because it contains tons of content or that it's the start of the new or the first new season since early November, or even that the game now has a new name. It's also huge because it represents the first big delivery on the promise that the new Nat G team made when it took over development last September. Bring back the game that so many of you fell in love with in the classic King of the Hill era around pre-season three at the end of 2016 and early 2017, commented Anthony Castoro, the studio's general manager. Also included with this patch is a mission system for in-game challenges, daily and weekly challenges, and a ranked pro mode for H1, or excuse me, Z1 Battle Royale. The game that killed it, PUBG, Bluehole is remastering its maps, starting with Enrangel. Enrangel. Maybe they should start by naming it to something that's a little more pronounceable. The game's original map, while physical changes to the maps are bound to happen, also look for ways to balance loot. That is all that they've said so far, so keep an eye out for that. Last but certainly not least, four double taps, Crackdown 2. Yep, that's what I said, Crackdown 2. Now not only backwards compatible for players who already own it, but is also free to download on the Xbox One and Xbox 360 for everybody. So go get it, because it's free. Why not? You might like it. You don't know. You don't know until you try. And that is it for Double Taps. On to emails, because we do have an email. And if you want to email the show, send us an email. Gaming under fire. Gaming under fire show at gmail.com. This was actually sent to us last week from Sniper D, the Discord moderator and all around general awesome guy from the UK. I don't care what they say. Sniper D, you UK guys aren't too shabby. Uh, he says, hello, Sniper D here reporting in from the UK department of the under fire show. He said, quote, no tracks. I won't show you up. I won't. Sh <laughs> he says, quote, no tracks. I won't show you my Sniper D top show so far. Absolutely loving the rebrand. I've said it once. Okay. I'll say it again. Best comedy act ever. Best. 
Oh, the best comedy act ever. It's in writing, so it's true. What are your thoughts on the new Halo Wars 2 map? Do you think we will get more? Uh, I have not played Halo Wars 2. I've not done the new map. I believe he's talking about Fort Jordan, which is a f uh, Halo Wars remake of another fort that is escaping my memory right now. Haven't had a chance to play it yet, so don't really have much to say about it. Anthem, totally agree with your review, Taz. Smart. After playing some more, I'll give it a solid 9 with plenty of room to grow into a top 10 game for me. Yes, the loading times do suck, but it's ample time to get the kettle on. Looking forward to the next show. Number one listener and moderator says himself, Sniper Dazzle. So thank you, Sniper D, for that. Uh, I wonder how uh, that has changed since you've sent us that email for that was supposed to be for last show, but has been read on this show instead. And that's about it. So since Trax isn't here and he's slacking, the guy hasn't moved. We've been doing this show for an hour and 12 minutes. And he's on the other side of the screen and he hasn't moved once. He is either lazy as hell or he's the world's best mime. I'm not sure which yet. But since he hasn't moved and hasn't said anything and technically isn't even here and I'm just pointing at a picture that I have up of him. I'll go ahead. I'll do his part. I'll pop the smoke so you guys know where to find us. You can find the show streamed live on Mixer every Monday night. Uh, we're probably going to be shooting at uh, let's see, 8.30, probably around 8.30 p.m. Eastern from here on out. Uh, keep an eye on our Twitter for details on that. We can also be found on your favorite podcast app, including iTunes, Google Play, Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. You can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, all by simply searching Gaming Under Fire. For the man Daddy Tracks, he is at Daddy Tracks on Twitter. He is also Mixer.com forward slash Daddy Tracks Live. Guys, go and check him out. Be sure you hit the follow button on his channel. He streams a lot of Fortnite and some other things every now and then as well. And he is super, 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 super close to that 2,000 follower barrier that he needs to get to in order to apply for partner. So, guys, help him out. Help brother out. Get him over there. If you're not following him yet, you should right now. As for me, I'm at Tasman Live on Twitter. Also, Mixer.com forward slash Tasman Live. I'll be streaming on Tuesday night. We'll be doing some Rainbow Six Siege. Probably with uh, some of the folks from Mythic Blades of Peace again as we uh, continue to help Taz get better at games that are not just Halo. Uh, also streaming Thursday. Thursdays, I usually do Halo mixed with another game as well. Now that Anthem is done and over with, I might even try to finish Crackdown 3 and get that campaign under my belt. So keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for that as well. And one last thing, guys, if you guys are listening and you're listening on your iPhone because everybody's got an iPhone, I know you do. I'm looking at you. Yes, yet yeah, you don't know. Not the guy behind you. You. Yes. Yes. I'm pointing right at you. How do you not know that I'm talking to you? You're watching and you're listening on an iPhone right now. I see it in your hand. While you're there, go into that podcast app, search gaming under fire. 
leave us a rating and a review. Those ratings and reviews are super important, guys. They really help to bring the show out in more searches. So when people are searching things like Anthem, when they're searching Halo, when they're searching Apex Legends, searching Fortnite, the Gaming Under Fire podcast comes up in those searches more often. We grow our community. The podcast gets better. I get a deeper voice because I will start needing a radio voice to keep everybody here and listening. It's just better for everybody. Trust me. You should do it. And I think that's about it. So, guys, thank you guys so much for uh, bearing with me this week. Certainly hope uh, Trax gets uh, everything under uh, control on his end and he can come back and help us out for next week. Um, also, keep an eye out for the YouTube page. We're also going to be uh, putting up some stuff there as well, some stream clips, some highlights from the podcast, and such and such and such. But until next week, guys, all I have to say... Charge!